The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not be afraid any longer, little flock, for your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your belongings and give alms. Provide money bags for yourselves that do not wear out, an inexhaustible treasure in heaven that no thief can reach nor moth destroy. For where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. Gird your loins and light your lamps, and be like servants who await their master's return from a wedding, ready to open immediately when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds vigilant on his arrival. Amen, I say to you, he will gird himself, have them recline at table, and proceed to wait on them. And should he come in the second or third watch and find them prepared in this way, blessed are those servants. Be sure of this. If the master of the house had known the hour when the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be prepared, for at an hour you do not expect the Son of Man will come. The Gospel of the Lord. You can pull out your word and song books and turn to page 245. 245 in your word and song. That's where the gospel is. We're going to look at that in a couple of seconds, just kind of make sure that page is marked and nearby so we can get to it nice and easy when it comes time. Because I want you to be able to look through the reading with me as we go through it. Jesus encourages his disciples, gird your loins and light your lamps and be like servants who await their master's return from a wedding, ready to open immediately when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds vigilant on his arrival. I want to talk about vigilance this morning. In particular, the kind of vigilance that you see in servers who are awaiting their master to return from a wedding. So picture the scene for a moment. You're a servant, a good servant. Your master's a good master. He treats you well, provides some good food and a good place to live. He doesn't maltreat you or anything like that. And he's out on a wedding, a very joyous occasion. Amen? Amen? Okay. Whew. All right. Good. Weddings are joyous occasions. Amen? All right. So he's coming back from a very joyous occasion. And how do you feel as a servant? You know, you're, you want to make sure the house is ready. Things are there. You're excited. You're waiting for him to come when he opens so he can open the door immediately when he knocks. That kind of joyous vigilance is what I pray would reign over your heart. R-E-I-A-G-N. Reign over your heart. Before we get into it, though, I do want to take a moment. You know, it's been a very uh, tense season so far. 
there's been a lot of tight races that we're seeing throughout the United States. And I don't want to get too controversial, and I don't want to make you feel too uncomfortable. I definitely don't want to you know, rub your elbows the wrong way or anything. But I thought it would be important to take a moment to kind of explain a little bit about some of the decisions that are being made at the management level of the San Diego Padres. <laughs> Recently, we went through the trade deadline, and there is a you know, tough decision process for baseball teams to make, a difference between investing in the future and trying to get the win right now, make the efforts, use the talent you have available, and spend resources now or invest in the future, basically. So the Padres, in, in letting go of a number of players, some that I'm very fond of, like Andrew Kashner and Matt Kemp, even though Matt Kemp I know was not playing too well, I still have a fondness for him. I was sad to see him go. You know, Rodney and Pomeranz, all sorts of players. Well, this kind of liquidation style is an investment in the future. At least that's what we hope, right? And so as that takes on, and that's a, it's a difficult process. You know, the, the, the baseball organizations have a whole series of scouts and, and people who look to make sure they're making the right moves as best they possibly can. And so in a certain sense, the Padres are investing in their future. Now, there's good news about the spiritual life and your life with God. Because when you choose to invest in your spiritual life, to invest in a relationship with God, you don't have to worry about trying to balance that out. Well, how much should I give right now versus how much should I invest in the future with God? Because when you and I invest in a future relationship with God, we get to kind of double dip. We get to have the future benefits that come with a relationship with God, and we get the immediate returns that come to us. When we spend our resources, our time, our talent, our treasure on a relationship with God, we not only get the future benefits, we get the immediate returns of love, joy, and peace. Amen? Amen? And so that's where I want to look at in terms of vigilance. How vigilantly are we investing in our relationship with God for the future benefits and for the immediate returns of love, joy, and peace? First off, let's start with the truth that God wants to give you his kingdom. It pleases him. It's of his great desire. And that's where Jesus starts off in the gospel today. The first few words as we kind of walk through this gospel passage together a little bit. If you want to look and read along with me, you can to help you follow. Do not be afraid any longer, little flock, for your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. His kingdom, which we hope for in the future, is something that also we can get this very moment. The kingdom of God, when Jesus inaugurated the kingdom, it was his very presence with us that began. So the kingdom is already here with us. Not fully realized, but partially here, definitely, in some real way. And so love, joy, and peace is available to us, and God is pleased to give that to you, to give that to me. So we want to invest in the future then, because when we invest in, with our resources, our time, our talent, and our treasure, God is going to give us future benefits. If we keep going through the gospel, we see this. The gospel writer says, uh, the, the Lord says, sell your belongings and give alms. Provide money bags for yourselves that do not wear out in an inexhaustible treasure in heaven that no thief can reach nor moth destroy. For where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. So basically Jesus is saying, have a heavenly wallet. 
Have a wallet that's impossible, a purse that's impossible for a thief to take from you, for a moth to destroy. Because when you put your treasure there, so will your heart be in that future possibility. When he says, sell your belongings and give alms, he's referring to a very strong biblical tradition that understood when you give alms to the poor, when you give your time, your talent, and treasure to serve the poor, to serve the church in some kind of fashion, it's like you're giving a loan to God, and God's going to pay you back for that loan. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17, we read exactly this. Anyone who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. So when you invest your resources, your time, talent, and treasure in the church for the sake of the poor, you are making a loan, you're giving a loan to God, and he will pay you back. That is, in the future, your investment will have benefits for you. Amen? So God wants to give this kingdom of love, joy, and peace. When we invest in it, we get those future benefits. But when we also invest, we get immediate returns right now. So let's look at the gospel again, continuing the same, same line of thought. After that, gird your loins and light your lamps and be like servants who await their master's return from a wedding, ready to open immediately when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds vigilant on his arrival. Here's the vigilant word that I want to speak of. Vigilance of joy is something that gives us the ability to persevere through our sufferings we go through through all stages of our life. This is what Abraham went through. We were talking about him in the second reading. The author of the Hebrews goes through sorts of, all sorts of periods of Abraham's life, and he says, by faith, Abraham endured this. By faith, Abraham endured that. And in that mix of all that, the faith that Abraham had gave him a joy, a participation in joy that helped him to persevere through the many sufferings he faced in life. The author puts it this way about this reality of faith which gives us a joy that perseveres, that helps us persevere. He says, faith is a realization of things hoped for. So think of it like this. You hope for heaven. Amen? Okay, good. I hope for heaven. The things we hope for, when we have faith, those things are realized, actualized in this very moment. So the love, joy, and peace of God's kingdom that we hope for can be realized in this moment. So Abraham, by faith, suffered the difficulty of having to be sent from where he was to a new land. So he had to leave what was familiar to him. So maybe you can relate to that. Maybe there's been a time in your life where change happens or something difficult goes on. You have to enter into an unfamiliar space for some reason. There is suffering there. That is difficult. By faith, you will find the joy you need to persevere. Amen? Abraham also, by faith, lived and sojourned in a foreign land. Think of many of our brothers and sisters who have to be in a different country altogether for the different language, a different culture. There is some suffering to take place. The loss of what you had in the past as well. Maybe you yourself are experiencing that in some way. That is a suffering. But by faith, we will have the joy we need to persevere through that kind of suffering. Then we're told that by faith, Abraham had to suffer the long waiting for a child to be given to his family. 
Maybe you know someone who's been struggling to get pregnant. Maybe it was difficult when you first got pregnant in your own marriage or other kinds of situations where you have to wait for a long time for something you're hoping for. By faith, you will have the joy you need to persevere through that suffering, which is a real suffering. Then finally we hear, by faith, Abraham had to endure the potential ability of losing his only son, Isaac. Maybe you've had to experience that yourself. Maybe you know somebody. To lose someone we love, especially a child, is a difficult suffering to endure. So you see, basically, Abraham, we look at all of his life, and it's filled with suffering. All right. No. However, though, when we have faith, by faith, we live by faith, it is a realization right now of what we already hope for, which is the joy of his kingdom. Amen? Amen. So invest. Invest your time, your talent, your treasure in a relationship with God because it gives you future benefits and immediate returns of love, joy, and peace. This week, to implement this, what I want you to do, as I encourage you to do, is to make a small little spiritual investment every morning, every day this week. It's called the morning offering prayer. It's a very solid Catholic tradition. You get up in the morning, make this the first prayer. You say, I have these prayers typed up in like little sheets like this at the baptismal font to take with you if you need it, or you can look it up online. It's everywhere. Oh Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, and joys and sufferings of this day. For all the intentions of your sacred heart, in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of my relatives and friends, and in particular, for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Simple prayer, but it's a simple, basic, spiritual investment you make each morning saying, I'm going to give some of my time, all my, all my prayer, all my work, all my joy, all my suffering to you this day, God, for that future benefit and for that immediate return of love, joy, and peace. Gird your loins, light your lamps, be like those servants who are waiting their master's return. Blessed are the ones, the servants, whom the master finds vigilant, vigilant with joy when he returns.